balancing your spiritual health and intuition with your physical health and mental health doesn't matter episode 7 of Music, Spirit and Accountability with Jay Hode, Michael Cooper and special guest Jessica Ann Alright, here we go our first guest on Music, Spirit and Accountability we have in the house today Jessica Ann make some noise everyone we're super excited to have you here Jess Jess uh, Jessica is, is actually one of my dear friends and we, we've bonded on so many levels, especially with, uh, with music in the beginning. She's got one of the most incredible uh, tastes in music of everyone that I know. Uh, the Nine Inch Nails tattoo on the wrist just like tops up. It's the icing on the cake representing as she holds it up to the camera here. Um, beautiful. Now, Jess, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? It's interesting. Today is a, I don't know how much you guys dive into astrology. However, we've got some big movements that have happened over the past week. So definitely feeling some of those sixth house pieces. Straight up. Uh, can you share about- a bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Sorry, can you share? Because have- I felt that last week. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the full moon last week, which was um, in Virgo. So Virgo is all about service, it's about health, it's about how we look after ourselves, it's about our routines. And then we also had the massive transition of Saturn into Pisces, which uh, is all about spiritual discipline and also where we may elude ourselves or delude ourselves around spirituality. And for me, Pisces governs my sixth house. So for me, it's just like you've got this Virgo supercharged focus on how well are you taking care of yourself, what are your disciplines and your boundaries with this then spiritual overtone in the house that governs my health domain. So this last week has been kind of like, get serious about how you're looking after yourself and any area that that's not happening has been super highlighted, but collectively we're really feeling this. And we've got one of the most uh, intense aspects over this next week, after which time it will begin to clear. We're over the last, at the time of recording, what are we? We're the 13th of March. We're in the last week of Pisces season, which signifies the end of the astrological year. So we are seeing some final finishing touches to what was 2022. And we're about to really go through the birth canal into 2023 energetically. So a bit of uh, some people feeling really juicy, some people feeling really tired. It's a bit of a mixed bag. On a personal note, I'm going to be selfish here and ask, the week after that, what's happening? (laughs) I got got something on. I just would love to know what's happening the week after. So 22nd of March is when we actually experience the, the full rebirth into 2023. So we're moving into Aries energy. Aries is the initiator. So really great time for us to, and if you think about it as a element and really pull it back, Aries is fire and it's cardinal fire. And fire is aligning with the vision and how we see and how we imagine. So in that respect, really, really great time for planting seeds and beginning to direct that energy that way. And we've also got the um, autumn equinox here in Australia. So we're at that transition out of summer officially into autumn. So it's actually the time of the harvest as well. Yeah. That is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That's the best. Um, I'll share in a future podcast what that means to me, but that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I'm going to have to stay on the line afterwards, Michael, so you can tell me because I'm like, I'm just sharing what's alive and I want to hear what's I think what's we need brewing. to hear it now, brother. Like, 
No, I no. We we spoke about this, Jay. I can't speak about it until it's done. Okay, beautiful. So, Jess, I'll, you're, you're going to have to catch on the podcast. I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm sealed on it. I would love, love to that. share it, but I've made a I've made a vow not to not to share until I've executed and completed the, the task. It's actually really timely for 2023 because that's one of those big things that we're being invited into this year is sort of keeping silent until the mm. things speak for themselves. So mm. you're working with the underground kind of energies that are trickling through 2023 anyway, so that's exciting. Very exciting. So thank you for that share. Mm. That was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jess. I love your shares about, you know, the astrology and the magic that you, your wisdom is incredible. Now, you're here for a reason because your magic is so profound that, um, I don't know, every time you speak about what you do, um, it blows me away and it's just really inspiring to, to me and, and to, to be blending these worlds. So, like, in a nutshell, you kind of shared that you're supporting people, uh, you know, blending this kind of three-dimensional and five-dimensional world in a sense, almost the, the physical and the spiritual is part of, um, you know, the, the magic that you share and... and some of the things that you've said to me throughout my career and my, my creating has been monumental and life-changing in the direction that I've chosen to to uh, to go in my past at that time. Um, you're offering amazing certification programs and business coaching. I feel those 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 words when I think of you as a business coach. I know that's what you do, but it's just so much more. There's so much more to it. So love to hand it over to you and share a bit about why you think the work you do is is so important. I know it's so unique what you know how does this set you apart how did you get into this what's the magic of this work there can be the really long version of this so there can be the short version of this <laughs> it's like you know it began on the day that i was born um but realistically if we if i speak into how i came across this path and i'm sure you'll probably find this with many of your other guests and also from what i know of your story michael and yours as well jay often this work tends to find it its way to us like my dad had his, I guess, awakening for want of a better way to put it when I was about nine. And he started practicing yoga because of back pain. He uh, suffered a, an experience where he injured his back. So for him, it was this journey of, of wanting to look at holistic ways of healing because he had the option of either go into surgery, which could potentially result in you being in a wheelchair or look for alternatives. So for him, it was yoga. Uh, but what that, that seems mentioned... to be a catalyst for so many, just by the way. I just hear that story all the time. So once again, there it is. Yeah, huge. And so what that meant for me as the eldest child and amongst, particularly because where my dad comes from, it was he was the only guy practicing yoga. It, when he used to go there, it was like in an RSL hall with a bunch of women in their 50s. He was the only guy there. So it certainly wasn't something that a lot of his mates that he would be drinking with or hanging out with were doing. So guess who got dragged along to those things? Jess. So great for me because I started, I was alongside him as he was learning about things like chakras and starting to integrate more of his unique spirituality. So I got a lot of this secondhand. I have this memory of him dragging me along to the Theosophical Society as a young person and being surrounded by all of these books that I thought were things that only existed in fantasy movies. So it was one of those things that I'm forever grateful for. And at the time, I certainly couldn't have seen the path that it was leading me down. But looking back, I'm like, that makes so much sense. But then comes along high school, highly intellectual, analytical brain for me. I was like, right, now we're all about the science. I need things to make sense. So a lot of this sort of spiritual kind of stuff got swept to the wayside or at least practiced in private. So this is me, you know, 15, 16, super science mind. Meanwhile, like Googling Alistair Crowley and how to do magic on the internet. 
Um, and ultimately, I feel like that has kind of been my journey has been very much how do I function in a world where I'm highly mm. rational and I like things to make sense, but I also have this deep connection and this grounding and there's things that exist beyond this world that so far we don't have rational explanations for. So that, that was the path that led me down exploring how do I bring these spiritual concepts to rational minds mm -hmm. and how do I make it accessible? And that was one of the reasons that I originally created my certification program is because what I was finding is I could do NLP coaching with someone and I'd get them to a point. But when I would work with this energetic work and start bringing in more of these intuitive pieces that I'd kind of been cultivating off in secret and in private, suddenly people were getting rapid transformation and rapid results. So the energetic certification was how can I support these people that need it to make sense to actually connect with this energetic piece and have a felt experience of it and how to work with it to support others. Uh, in the background for me, that was also alongside business coaching because what I always find, the people that would enter my space one-on-one, -on -one, half the time they'd be entrepreneurs and suddenly things would start to explode in their business. And they kept going to me, you're, you're my business coach. And I remember at first I got super triggered by it. I'm like, I'm not a business coach. I'm here to do energetic alchemy and things like that with you. How can you say that I'm a business coach? Particularly because, you know, when I was covert and often the distance practicing my spirituality, I was in the corporate space. So I'd come from like what business meant. I'd managed high performance teams. I'd come from that infrastructure. So the idea of doing business felt like a certain death for me. So a lot of what I'd come to represent in business and the way that I teach it now is actually integrating these spiritual pieces and allowing business to be part of you having a vehicle for your authentic expression and your spiritual growth and development. Wow, that's incredible. Mike, I feel like that story just resonates probably deeply with your journey. When I hear Jess speaking about it, I think a lot of stuff about your journey as well. Yeah, absolutely, with the past of that corporate world and um, and then transitioning into this version of life. Um, and now I'm probably, yeah, quite similar to Jess in having to, not having to, getting to go back to that space with this new version, um, which is always daunting. <laughs> it was okay to leave, but going back there with this version is, is quite challenging. Um, there's a lot of judge, internal judgment that comes with that and how will I be perceived and... Who, who is this guy that doesn't wear a suit anymore, doesn't wear shoes, has a beard, has no hair? I mean, we don't even know this guy anymore. I love him uh, so much. Yeah, me too, me too. But they don't know him yet. <laughs> so, yes, Jess, deep, deep through, isn't it? Yeah. And it's so easy, you know, I just love the way you explain that, Jess. It's so easy for us to overlook that spiritual side or our kind of our our heart's passion and get lost in the creation and not that there's anything wrong with that it's part of the journey or lost in what we think we should be or what someone else thinks we should be maybe even more appropriately um so yeah have you had to kind of um you know bring that accountability for yourself along the way to be like no i'm not going to do that and you know cut some cords or say no to certain opportunities to create other opportunities and and how does that feel for you I love that. That's one of the things when we spoke before the recording started, I said, I'd really love to riff with you on the idea of accountability, because as much as it's important to have networks of accountability, ultimately, at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, the person we're most accountable to is ourself and our soul, right? So part of why 
my unique expression and the way that I teach business is the way that it is, is because I've scaled a business that was like a bit what you mentioned, Jay, to, to the book, to the letter, and it should have been successful and it should have been what made me happy. And when I got to that point of having books so full, I was turning clients away and a system that I'd created to basically generate money with my eyes closed, I realized how deeply unfulfilled I actually was. So that decision also being someone that creates such deep relationships with my clients, there was also the threads of loyalty there. It's like letting people down. These people have come to rely on me. These people have come to know my services. Um, Is this just me looking for the bright and shiny thing out on the distance and on the horizon that's not my current reality? Like what is going on? This is everything that I've worked for. And making the decision to walk away from that, I think was probably one of the biggest pieces of self-accountability I've exercised because I knew that my soul was calling for something else. Wow, Jess, that just hit so many golden nuggets there uh, for me and I'm sure for so many. And I saw, Mike, your eyes kind of light up in the middle there too. Yeah, very much so. Mm. Wow, Jess. Yeah, again, thank you for sharing. So um, what are you creating in this time? Like what's what's in the current for you? I know I think you've launched some new programs recently and like, yeah, what's what's in the current for the future? You always seem so busy but so on point. And I love the way you're able to kind of withdraw um, at times for your, um, I guess, what, sabbaticals? Is that what we what you would call them? Where you kind of withdraw for, you know, some time to kind of, you know, tune into what, what you feel you need and then to come back with full power to really lean into the next part of your creation. Um, How's that all landing for you? It's been an interesting process because I'm someone that loves doing. That's one thing that I've, I've definitely reconciled with myself. I think probably a healthy dose of when I first got into this work was a lot about the being. It's like, you know, be, 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 be go be. It's just like, okay, I've done the being. And guess what I really also love doing? So I think that was a big medicine for me to integrate as a female-bodied person in my expression because I think that sometimes as a woman in the spiritual community in the transformation space, we're kind of taught it's more about being. Uh, So I think if you are a woman that loves to do, embrace that and also make sure that you are creating the time and the space to be and have your own unique flavor of what works for you. And that's something that I feel like I'm in a space of refinement of always. So I tend to get very excited and on a high and flowing with the current. And the next thing my body breaks down and I'm like, okay, maybe not as good at listening as I thought I was. So being aware of where your energy is coming from and what your intention is, is really key. So that was just my aside from what you were saying about my sabbaticals. It's definitely a learning process and that's a bit of self-accountability for me. It's just like, I love being in creation. Let's do the creation all of the time. It's like, okay, and how are you actually feeling? How's your energy? How's, are you filling your cup? Uh, so that is, I think, ironically, a lot of what my clients get from me and I have reflected back. It's like, oh, since I've been working with you, I'm so much better at that. I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> but um In terms of creations at the moment, I've had this project that's been birthing for the better part of 18 months, which I finally feel has fully landed and feels very much alive in my cells, which is this integration of a business magic mind, a business mastermind and a mystery school initiation. Wow. So, yes, um, because to me, in terms of all of the schools of spirituality I've explored, magic has been the thing that I have come back to again and again. And it is that font of self-responsibility that I think makes magic so exciting it's this idea that everything you need exists within you 
and it's only about really tapping into it. So that's the, the mystery school side of it that I am bringing through with the mastermind. And when I think of mystery school, I think of, well, there's a few things I think of. One is I think of Harry Potter and I think of Glast- Glastonbury and I think of um, being at, you know, the priestess school in, in, in uh, Glastonbury, which I think is also called a mystery school, which is, um, you know, beautiful uh, priestesses gathering from all over the world to work with the ley lines and work with um, the country and the land and the spirit spirits um so what does your mystery school look like uh in in that sense so i love that you brought that comparison up because you're 100 what you just thought of is 100 what everyone thinks of when they think about magic when they think about mystery schools and i think it's beautiful honestly do i think that those kind of mystery schools where you are so deeply immersed and that is your reality Mm. are required it's like you know when going on retreat where for seven days or two weeks you are in that retreat space and you are steeped to your bones in that as a culture and a way of being. And for me, the mystery school that I am pulling through is more about how can you be a high-performing entrepreneur and still have a deep connection to this spiritual facet of self and integrate that into your work. Work with the fundamentals of ritual, of magic, and bring that through to support what it is that you're already doing well and enhance it rather than having to go away and run away to a retreat or to a space that's only dedicated to that. How can your life become the ritual? How can the business become the ritual? So it's really looking at merging this into a way that enhances rather than creates further segregation. Wow, Jess. And the potency of incorporating, you know, ritual and these spiritual practices with business um, I don't know, for me, it's been it's been a game changer, you know, whether the spiritual practice is, you know, fitness or um, breath work or yoga or, um, you know, for some, it might even be, to, you know, not being on social media or something so much like that, you know, I don't know if that's technically a spiritual practice, but you know what I mean, like that commitment and accountability to show up. Um, I guess what's been when when did your journey start to realize the potency of those spiritual practices you said when you were seeing in your clients sort of seeing these these changes in these ways when did that land for you about spiritual practice being incorporated with business so I was definitely witnessing it as something that I was doing in my business like I said with my clients even back when I was in the fitness industry where I would be working with these things and the people that had the combination of mindset, body and energy work with the clients that were getting the best results. So for me, I was like, it's interesting that every time I throw this energy or this unseen, for want of a better way to put it, work into the the mix, the results get better. So what it was for me when I got into this business and realizing this next iteration of what it was that I wanted to create, it was working with magic that allowed me to see things beyond what made sense. So to put that another way, it was through ritual that I was finally able to connect more deeply with this thing that prior just felt like a nudge that I needed to follow. It's like I've just had this calling to do this thing and I'm not quite sure how to articulate it, what it wants to look like through ritual practices, through integrating shamanic practices into what it is that I do it was that that allowed me to not only create the certification like the entire syllabus that I created actually downloaded through my dream space but my whole business has been founded on working with these magical principles and whenever I've strayed from that path that things get freaking hard and it's like it's just that reinitiating myself into oh yes the magic is important I come back and things start to flow again 
So I've definitely alpha beta tested it and I say it's easier with magic. <laughs> so cool, Jess. Mike, is there anything you wanted to say, brother? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know, Jess, if I'm sitting, you know, at home listening to this podcast um, with the people that you work with specifically, I'm sitting there, what are some of the problems or the mistakes that you see them make or they're making consistently? I feel that one of the biggest misconceptions, and I think I touched on it briefly, is this idea that magic is something that is so separate from the way that we live, first and foremost. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of people overcomplicate that connection to spirituality and to their spiritual self. Uh, and as a result, they pause and they delay and it becomes less and less of a priority. And as a result, what that then creates is that we're at a rift, we're torn between this inner knowing and the rational mind, which mm. over time just slows down decision-making. Like even people like Steve Jobs, he spoke about the intuition being something that came along to support the intellect. Actually, I think that was Einstein, but I know Steve Jobs had a great quote about the intuition as well. Yeah. So in terms of visionary entrepreneurs and people that have a big mission or an impact that they're here to create in the world, cultivating that connection with intuition can be as simple as you having a practice 20 minutes a day. Mm. It's not something that is out of the realm of possibility. And of course, just like fitness or anything else, the, the more energy and time you devote to it, the more prowess and the more skill and the more attuned to, you, to it you are. However, just like you wouldn't neglect your physical body or your mental health, the often the, the deprioritizing of spiritual health, it's felt. Because mm. all of these bodies are linked. Like, you know, Ayurvedic medicine knows that. It's like we're all connected to all of these levels. If something's out of kilter, higher up, it's inevitably going to rattle down and affect the physical body. So that's probably the biggest mistake is this idea that my spiritual health doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and this, and the other one that I wrapped into that is it's the idea that it's only for some people in certain circumstances. Mm. It's like you don't need to go live in an ashram for spirituality to be something that's incorporated into what you do. Yeah. And the other last one that I'll say is this idea that spirituality and spiritual practice, magic, and the reason I particularly use that word is because it's one of those ones that immediately evokes images of Voldemort and Harry Potter. <laughs> um, and for me, the reason I want to take ownership of that word is that most personal development is just magic repackaged. Mm. So magic is actually more integrated into the transformation space than most people realize. So even if you are someone that is coaching high-level corporate company executives, working with magic, it doesn't need to be something that is just for people on the fringes of society. Hmm. It's always going to enhance. Wow. Blown away, Jess. Just completely blown away. Great question too, Mike. Hmm. Thank you, mate. I, I think that um, looking back over my own corporate life and business and I remember reading Steve Jobs saying that towards the end, that meditation was one of the greatest, um, you know, fast tracking towards success. If you want to do well in business, meditate. And I was like, what? Uh, he's lost it. He's sold out. And I was in the hustle and grind mentality and thought it was a lie and a whole thing. And eventually I learned to meditate. He wasn't lying. <laughs> he was telling the truth. 
But yeah, it was so hard for me to grasp that slowing down to speed up, um, slowing down to see the whole picture or be the observer. But I couldn't fathom that in my hustle and grind mentality and do more and be more and have more, and which ultimately means I was just doing more because I didn't have the other two. And um, yeah, it's, it's so true. But there's this, as you've articulated beautifully, it's not, but we do, we th- well, sorry, I did back then think it was for the fringes, it was for the, the woo-woos, it's for the out there and they're not really all together. You know, there's that perception, um, but they actually are quite together. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking as well, because they've integrated all the parts and they've brought everything back home. Plus they also have sound mind and observer views. So yes, they've, they were well ahead of their time. Mm. I love that. I love that plan words as well. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Jess, the, um, the, this principle, we, we had a chat last week about some other bits and pieces and I was saying that some of the things in my life that I've noticed with my uh, manifestations and the abundance and the things unfolding in my life are almost like clockwork as I've wanted them to be with my career and my offerings Um, and that thing of this uh, vibration of joy and gratitude coming into the space being that as I've been crafting this without even really noticing or being aware I was coming with so much joy and gratitude throughout my journey consistently that now you know it wasn't until I started studying um, Joe Dispenza specifically that I really was like oh wow this is kind of exactly what he's saying everyone should do is I think I've kind of just been doing it out of luck my whole life um what do you think about that what do you think of the power of joy and gratitude mixed with these manifestations and the power of magic compared to having a crack at let's say magic or manifestation coming from a low vibration it's quite interesting because the, the more I've gone down the rabbit holes of, of magic and understanding how people manifest, if we wanted to ca- take it purely rational, like so let's just delete the fabric of the unseen realm for a second, just say let's we can explain everything rationally through the mind. Essentially a lot of manifestation and magical rituals is just working with the unconscious. So if you think about um, the reticular activating system as something that is seeking proof for that which we already believe, like suddenly I really want to buy a, uh, a Tesla. Suddenly you start seeing Teslas everywhere, right? So essentially a lot of the ritual practices, manifestation practices, what we're looking at doing is embedding an unconscious belief or an idea, which is also why I talk about a lot of personal development is exactly that. We're looking to rewire the fabric of the unconscious. So one of the biggest ways for us to hack the unconscious is through emotional states. So if you think about things that imprint in memory, it is the highly emotional. So it's like if I said to you, what did you have for breakfast yesterday morning? You might remember. However, if you had breakfast yesterday morning with someone you dearly loved and it was a super poignant moment, that's going to be something that is seared into the mind so much more powerfully than something that just was maybe a a non-event. So... When we're working with these vibrational states of joy and gratitude, we're essentially placing importance of that in the unconscious. So suddenly that is now something that has moved forward in the order of priority as opposed to something that is, again, a non-event. So it's ironic because some people actually work better manifesting through other heightened emotional states. So it's not just joy and gratitude. (laughs) Wow. Some people are very powerful, angry, motivate like manifestors. Oh, wow. so if you're going to channel your your fury and your rage, some people yeah. manifest better through that. So it's um it's more about the power of emotion 
as opposed to joy and gratitude. However, do you want to be going around your entire life angry? Possibly not. So in terms of, I guess, a more sustainable, healthful approach, joy and gratitude is probably more better for your nervous system long-term. Have either of you given any um, thought, research or study to manifesting during orgasm? Yes, sex magic. Sex magic, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like it's 100%. your or Jess, do you want to do you want to share what you have uncovered there? Oh, that could go layers and layers deep. <laughs> However, <laughs> if we, so if we think about the manifestation of life on Earth, right? It's like in terms mm. of where we originate from, birth, the birthing process begins with orgasm. Mm. So if Correction. orgasm yeah. can create life, it's essentially manifestation is a process of bringing something to life. Yes. So it's the same channels. And it's also like a continuation of what you just said, which is joy, love, and gratitude. That's at, at the human experience in this 3D thing. It's probably the highest and closest point we have to God. And it's that singularity. It's the closest we get to singularity in this, this thing that we get to run around in. And it's a very joyful moment for the vast majority of people, for a very high amount of people. Um, and it's quite euphoric so if you're talking about without the sex just the way to manifest is with joy love and gratitude well that's an exponential rocket ship to to manifestation it's really beautiful yeah Definitely. thanks for bringing that mike that's a great a great topic and you know with with that my experience with that has you know, I dove in really deep with that for a few years and was, was trying all sorts of manifestation, uh, conscious manifestations within that. And um, it it can sound really, just presencing it could sound a little, uh, I don't know, uh, risque or something for, for a lot of people. Like, what are they even talking about? But it kind of becomes normal as well after you're practicing these things. And just like anything else, it is a practice and it takes practice and they're really fun things to practice as well, especially in a, a beloved union or even by yourself. But, um, you know, a beloved union as well. It's um, beautiful having those sort of conscious uh, conscious partners that can meet you there as well. Mm. Um, I have a question for you both. And I would love to hear your definition of the word spirit. What does spirit or spirituality, um, let's just keep it maybe a, a simple couple of syllables of the word spirit. Um, how does the word spirit land for you? Maybe Jess, you, would you like ladies first? Yeah. So I think the way that I would relate to spirit is the universal principle. It's this idea of the thing that exists in all things. Yes. Beautiful. That's hard to beat. That's I was singularity, the great spirit, great mystery, uh, the original thought, the love frequency, um, the God molecule. All of that leads me towards spirit. So I think Jess's definition was divine. Can you say that again for us? Because if it if it's it might have just flowed out of you, but if you can remember it. <laughs> I was about to say, that does that. Yeah, and maybe just even like, just expanding on that a little bit, just too. It's um, so beautiful yeah, to hear you speak it was about really this. Beautiful. So, yeah, could you elaborate a little bit for us? So, unifying principle, it's the thing that exists within mm. all things. If we think about the idea of respiration, it comes from the idea of taking in breath, right? So, mm. to respire, to bring in spirit. So, 
in all things exists spirit and we are all of spirit. So to become more spiritual is to just become more of all things and with all things. That is beautiful, really. Really, Jess, thank you. Yeah, wow. Jay, I'm going to throw it over to you if you feel called to. Yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. Was, thank you, Jess, that was divine. Um, I, for me, uh, it's it just, I, I don't know, I really resonate with, um, you know, the expansiveness of the, of, of, of breath and spirit i guess for me spirit translates i think directly to the word breath so to be more spiritual is literally to breathe and i just define it in that simple way often to people that are uh, i seem to have this thing where people come to me often as i feel like i'm somewhat of a stepping stone for people especially being coming that i spent for the last 20 plus years playing in uh, as a musician you know playing in some mid to low level vibration uh, <laughs> venues and and uh you know people along the way and something that often dazzer and bazzer and shazzer have said to me man i'd like to become more spiritual you seem pretty spiritual how do i become more spiritual and i say something like just breathe like just just be aware of breath and just you know coming back to the awareness of the inhale and the awareness of the exhale, as simple as it is to just come back to the presence of being in touch with breath. And it's that simple. So if you want to be more spiritual, just breathe and start bringing awareness and presence to focusing on that inhale and that exhale for a few minutes a day and see what happens. I think that's a great place to begin. Definitely agree with that for sure. Mm. Amazing. Both of you. Beautiful. Yeah. Jess, um, one more question for you uh, or, yeah, statement question. I guess you, like I said at the beginning, have such an incredible taste in music and uh, I love our conversations about all the musics that we uh, both vibe on. And do you incorporate music with your work? And uh, how do you feel of the potency of the frequencies of music and music in general relating to, um, you know, spiritual practice? As you spoke into that, I felt like my heart just really come online because I think music for me has always been such a gateway into being able to communicate and connect with things that exist beyond words. Even lyrics, I think, in and of themselves often have this unique ability to transcend transcend the limitation of ordinary language. And 100% music plays a deep role in what it is that I do. And I think that in order for people to connect with the facets and dimensions of self, even archetypically, Music is such a powerful vessel for being able to burst through these places that, you know, oh, I could never be that. It's mm. like, you know, that's part of why when I do a lot of embodied embodiment work, like I love putting on something like a bit of Marilyn Manson. I'm like, let's just jam to this for a bit and just see what part of you comes out now. Yeah. You know, it's that piece of that integration of the shadow self and being able to vibe with that part of self and to because when those things get brought to light and we observe them when we witness them and we we own them suddenly we can channel them and work with them rather than having power over us mm. so i love music as a vessel for those facets of self that's a piece that always speaks to me yeah and mike oh obviously i 
his music, you, you know that, um, in, in my uh, ceremonies. <clears throat> um, music allows people to, you know, it really assists in leaving the, the logical brain for a while. It takes them on a journey or a story or they take themselves on their own journey um, through to sound, you know, through whether it be through Indigenous instruments or um, even song or voice. You know, the frequencies of of the human voice are enough to heal. Um, I know I've been in many of healings that I've been a participant in and an angelic woman's voice cracks my heart open nearly every time. Um, it, and it's the most beautiful sound. So, um, yeah, I really do think people, you know, I look at my kids even and they sing songs, you know, and they're constantly singing and, and they know all the words to that because it, it's a way to communicate. It's a way to tell a story. Um, they resonate with that song because to the artist and whatever they're going through and navigating, and even to the artist that's helping them navigate and unpack things through story. So it's, oh, I think, Jay, you shared this with me, is the, the word uh, musician originated from magician. Yep. And there's a beautiful tie-in to this whole conversation. Yeah, I love that. Um, it's something that I share with people often. I had a new uh, student starting this morning uh, somewhere in the center of America, such a beautiful soul. And um, yeah, it blew his mind, like the smile on this guy's face, sharing that information and seeing him looking up, thinking about this, you know, magician back in, you know, the nights of the, med the, the medieval days and the musician and, and coming from that, so cool. And just to add to what you guys was saying it's so profound to me you know studying sound healing uh, so much of my life and studying intervals and music and the principle that two notes against each other create an emotion and mm. that being let's say for all the music geeks out there a minor third um, creates that uh, sensation of sadness so it really always blows me away with what you guys were saying about the words and the delivery of the words you know, mm. if you put those that combinations of words that say something maybe sad or heartfelt with the two syllables of that word or on a minor third interval jump up or down, the profound added impact in the delivery of that is exponential, just like if you were going to put that with a major third, which would have a happy sound. It's And that's, you know, some of my favourite songwriters, you know, some of them go that way, the first option. Or some of them, I think of Michael Franti, um, who's one of my biggest inspirations, um, who has kind of often cheeky, almost confronting lyrics. Um, I think of his album um, Yell Fire back in, I think it was early, uh, mid 2000s, mid 2006, 2007. And he wrote, he went to Iraq in the middle of, you know, all the civil unrest that was kind of going on there at the time and wrote this insane album um, all about the, what was going on there. And it was kind of dark. And then he came back and put it with these like super upbeat, like grooves it's just like you shake your butt off and he's singing about all this stuff and you don't really notice it but it's kind of it's still landing it's like yeah you're fire you know like but it's so happy and everyone's yelling along and singing and dancing but it's kind of confronting so it's a such a powerful vessel i think there's something you shared with me as well I, i'm not sure what the note is but i think it was a minor and you said there's tension in the chord and it needs to be resolved and you do like you hear the chord and you're like Oh, and then they resolve and you're like, thank you, you know, like there's that tension and release and that's the, the joy of music and what it can create. A hundred percent. And um, yeah, the minor third definitely can have that resolution down to a, a, a second or 
uh, be called probably a ninth, but um, a sus four is the chord I think you're talking about, a suspended fourth, which as for all the guitarists out there, you see D sus often, D sus four. That's that's the one of the chords, you know, that sus chord, the fourth resolving back down to the major third, that's literally yeah. tension and release. And it's like the sus chord is taking an in-breath, holding the breath, mm. and when the sus four is released back to a D major chord, it's like an exhale. And, you know, there's so many more potent things, but for all the sound healers out there, it's... Um, it's I don't know I feel like it's I feel like it's important to do the work if um, you know sound healing there's so many beautiful aspects on that but it is nice to to know a little bit about that stuff as a sound healer um, coming into that world so yeah potent potent tools to uh, manipulate support um, expansify if that's even a word a space through um you know and then there's rhythm that's we're not even tapping into um the rhythm side of things but that melodic side and harmonic side alone is oh just get lights me up so yeah beautiful Jess, thank you so much for your time today. Um, really incredible. We would love to have you back on uh, uh, down the track and, and, and continue. You've given us, uh, I think, a lot of fuel and fire for upcoming to topics to dive deeper into with me and Mike. So appreciate your magic so much. Where can people find you? One of the best places to find me would probably be on Instagram. So my handle is the Jessica Ann, uh, spelt with a C K. A for the Jessica and A double N E for the N. And just to close that, you are one of the coolest looking cats that I've ever seen. Whenever I see your photos and stuff on social media, it's just like, I love your look. It's so cool to me. And um, just the way you represent yourself, just really honoring your unique magic and the way you just lean into it with your heart and soul coming from your heart and your art and all your magic. And um, yeah, thank you again for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure to speak to two leaders and pillars of this community in this space. So thank you. I appreciate you, Jess. Thank you so much. And Jay, if we could just put Jess's details in the notes, that would be easier for everyone to find her. 100%. 100%. Let's do that. Jess, much love. That was beautiful. So so much gold and insights and some the way you articulated some of the things, especially around spirit, was really special. I've, I've heard you speak at um, Jay's events and... It, it flowed through again today. So much love, sister. Thank you. Guys, if you feel it, jump on the socials and give Jess some love. Uh, if there's anything that came up for you and um, yeah, give us some love and some support. See you soon, guys. Thank you.